Welcome to The Family Show. I'm your host, Eleanor Rossman, and joining me today and every week are Brendan and Randy Lee. Welcome. Good to be good here. To be here. <laughs> it's good to see you. It just seems like yesterday that we were together. Or even today. Or even five minutes ago. <laughs> I went. Okay, so today we're going to talk about, uh, Randy, you wanted to talk about why people think the Gospels are boring. Right. It's kind of like a really good heretical topic, right? It's another opportunity for us to get canceled, right? But but I was listening to the other day to a reflection. The priest who was doing it doesn't like to call them talks, probably doesn't like to call them reflections either. But but I'm listening to this, this discussion, explanation by Father John Ricardo. We talked about him last week. But anyway, during this reflection, Father Ricardo observes most people don't hear the story of the gospel as extraordinary. They don't hear it as threatening. They hear it as boring, right? And I think it's such a great observation because it's simultaneously, I think, accurate and curious. If you really think about it, the gospel is a lot of things, but the one thing the gospel cannot be is boring, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, you got supernatural creatures running around everywhere. You got miraculous events. You got murder, betrayal, lust, passion, courage, cowardice, plot twists, intrigues, right? And it's all supposed to be true, right? Right. The Bible can be threatening. The Bible can be ridiculous. The Bible can be over the top. It can be unbelievable, right? It can be provocative, challenging, or reorienting. What it can't be is boring, right? I mean, I mean, let's cut to the chase. You got a dead guy who walks out of a tomb and through a wall, right? You are either reading the National Enquirer or you're living the Matrix. <laughs> I guess it should make you sit up a little bit. Right? It should, right? You're either you're either reading the National Enquirer or you're or you're living the Matrix. And if it's the latter, you have to fundamentally alter everything you think you know about reality, right? So, so how did the gospel get to be boring, right? And I don't think the gospel story, as I, as I said, is boring. I think the problem is that we've lost the story, or at least we've lost the need to take the story personally. Well, yeah, I think a lot of people say, well... You know, I'll listen to this, but I mean, this was a long time ago. He's talking to the people back then. Has nothing to do with With what's happening with me today. Yeah, that's right. I mean, for one thing, we've we've let time come between Mm -hmm. us and the story. We've let we've let geography come between us. We've let culture and progress come between us and the story. Right. We mentioned last time. Brenda and I went to see Sound of Freedom, Jim Caviezel movie on human trafficking. And and I think it's a it's a hard movie, but it's a very good movie, right? It will definitely wear you out. But without giving too much of the movie away, there's a scene where, where Tim, the Jim Caviezel character, meets with this guy whose help Jim Caviezel needs to go after these human traffickers, right? So Jim Caviezel tells the guy how many kids are being trafficked across the globe, how much money is being made, how many countries human trafficking in is in, how fast human trafficking is growing. Jim is just hammering this guy with all this data. And finally, the guy just stops the Tim character. And he says to, to Jim Caviezel, the, the Tim character, Tim, I'm sorry, right? I am, but I'm just 
out. Ooh. Right? I'm, I just I can't help you. I'm just out. And the Tim character says to the guy, wait. Wait one minute. And, and Jim, the, the Tim character, he pulls out his cell phone. And he shows the guy a picture yeah. of this one little girl in particular mm-hmm. that Jim is, is trying to save. And Jim says, see this little girl. Yes. You can save this little girl. An hour later, the guy's at Jim Caviezel's hotel room door. He's like, okay, yeah. I'm in. Yeah. I'm in whatever it costs. Mm-hmm. Right? With what all the global data in the world could not do, one little girl's life, one little girl's story could. Yeah. Personal connection. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Right. It, it's, it's funny because you talk about personal connection in the story, Brent. Yeah, because you know what? Data doesn't move us. Data, right. just facts, yeah. don't move us. Yeah, right. It, it's generally accepted that Mark's gospel is Peter, Peter's telling of his experiences with Jesus written down by Mark. Right, that's that's yes. where we think Mark's gospel right. came from. Right, you think about it, it's really pretty crazy. When when Peter went out to evangelize, he would take Mark. And whenever Peter would come upon a new city, a new group of people, he would tell them the same story. Mm-hmm. Right, First Pope, not a big theology guy, right? He's a fisherman, right? He's a big story guy. In fact, great line in 2 Peter 3.15 where, where Peter says... Our beloved Paul, really smart guy, really wise guy, right? What he's saying, really important, but he can be hard to understand. Mm-hmm. Let's get the story down first and that let and let that be your foundation for all the rest, mm-hmm. right? So we got Peter. Like and we, I have to watch the movie before I read a book sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. You got you yeah. to get engaged. What's really going on. Right. So so we got Peter, we got Mark, right? And they're out on the road, night after night, same story. You know, you talk about the potential for the gospel to get boring, right? We're thinking, poor Mark, same story every mm-hmm. night. At some point, he's got to say, I got to slip out, get a burger or a slice of pizza. I can't sit through this one more, more time. time. Exactly, yeah. right? But that's not what he says sitting there night after night. What he says is, oh my gosh, I got to write this down. I got to write this down so it will never be lost. Mm -hmm. Right? You think about it. How do we know that Peter denied Jesus three times? Right? Before the cock crowed. Right? How do we know that? He told the story. That's right. Mark tells us, but Mark wasn't there. Right. Right? Mark 1466. Mark doesn't know. He wasn't there. Right? Only one person was there. Mm -hmm. That that was Peter. Right? Mark heard Peter tell the story over and over. You know. Right? You know I denied Jesus three times the night before his death. Mm -hmm. During his passion. I denied him three times, right? They were abusing him. Horrible things they were doing. And I denied him three times, and he still walked through a wall to tell me he loved me. Mm-hmm. Right? Wow. That's the story, right? The Reverend Fleming Rutledge is an Episcopal priest. She's a 
And actually, Father Carter's a big fan of hers. He's, she's an Episcopal priest. With She's got a special gift for reaching youth and clergy members, right? And, and when she explains what we call evangelization, she says, she says, specialized theological knowledge. How's that for intimidating? Specialized theological knowledge can only take us so far. Yeah. We need to know the story. Mm-hmm. Do you want what happens in the church to change me? Do you want what I read in scripture to change me? Then tell me the story of how Jesus changes lives. Right? That's what the gospel is. Every person in the gospel encounters Jesus and their life changes. Yeah. Right? Yes. Why do we think it's just in the book? I, I don't know. Why, why do we? Mm-hmm. Why do we take ourselves out of the story? Because we, we get, like you said before, we get caught up in the time factor. Say, well, it wasn't, it's not yesterday here, so it didn't really happen. We have to be careful that. What's the consecration? I mean, I, I hope I don't screw this up, but, right, isn't that sort of, in some, in some bizarre sort of theological, spiritual way, isn't it like the, the crucifixion again, right? Jesus is, is, is right, it, it's, it's, it's there now. He is dying for you today, giving you his body and his blood Right. It's Kronos and Kairos, and that's the Kairos moment at Mass, which means Kairos is outside of time. Yes. And so we are experiencing eternity, even though our vision field doesn't see it, it's still true. How can how can time and distance separate us from from, from Christ in that moment if the whole point of the moment is to transcend time and space? Mm-hmm. I want you to share in my loving passion now, mm-hmm. right? We together, that's why I see your face. I see your face, and I want you to consume me. Mm-hmm. One of the things, I think I brought this up before, but one of the things I've, I do often in adoration um, is, uh, you know, if you have an hour a week, which is nice to do, um, I have a picture of Jesus, this face of Jesus, and I just look at him, mm-hmm. look at the Eucharist on the altar, mm-hmm. and try to be so in the present moment. Mm-hmm. And I think that just makes it, per- again, back to the personal. Right. When you look at your beloved, what do you hope they are doing Looking at me. Exactly. So if you're sitting there yeah. in adoration, mm-hmm. right, before the perfect lover, yeah, what do you think is happening when you're looking at them? Mm-hmm. Right. I keep a picture of the holy face in, you know, our car. Mm-hmm. And it's just, even if I'm at a red light, yeah. I always glance down at it. You know, it's just something that, wow, he's always there. Yeah. He's always He's always looking. there. And we're human, and, and we he knows what's going on. And the, yeah, you know our we senses do. to we get do. our senses involved. So, and I'm, I'll admit it. You know, I'm I'm you know dyslexic and all this other stuff. But I admit that I need the senses engaged. Right. You know, right. and that's why I love all the bells and whistles at mass. 
oh, yeah. there's incense yep. and holy water and obviously the Eucharist. But right. That's why he gave us five senses. He yeah. knows we... <laughs> and we were made in his image. Yeah. So if we want to engage all of his senses, then he wants to have all of his senses engaged by us, right? Right. So, so when you, like, how pleased he is, Brent, when, when you're going... I just got to look at my beloved. I know I'm driving the car, but I got to look down at the person I love. Yeah. We're going to take a break real quick, but stay tuned. You're listening to The Family Show on Holy Family Radio with Brendan Randy Lee. We'll be right back. the family show with Brendan and Randy Lee and we're talking about why people often find that mass or gospels can be boring right you know it's funny someone once told me a sermon or a homily is the answer to a question that no one has asked right mm-hmm. I mean and that that pretty much captures disconnection and, and if you're disconnected then you're bored right but but if that's actually true it means that for Mass to be interesting, we and the priest need to be on the same page, right? We need to be asking the right questions, and the priest needs to be answering those same questions, right? Um, and the, you think about it, the people who come to church seeking, and not everybody does, right, come seeking, but, but the people who do come seeking are coming because they feel as though they need something right it's it's the it's augustine's restless heart right yeah. they they recognize this void this emptiness in their heart and they want to find a place a, a, a something that will satisfy that void that mm-hmm. that need right so if you're looking for god to fill a void there are two things that you need to know right one can god fill this void right is he capable of filling this void is it something he can do right And second, if he can do it, does he love me enough that he will do it, right? Mm. Can God fill this void? And if he can, does he love me enough so that he will? That second part, I think, is key. They're both. They both are, but I can see where you kind of drop off on that after the first one and say, well, yeah, he can, but will he? Will he? Yeah. So to, to... Back off for, right, if, if either of these is a no, right, if either of these is a no, then church becomes boring. So if I answer no to, say those again. Yeah, if God can't fill the void. Okay. Well, then why am I sitting here? Yeah. And if God won't fill the void, I know he can, but he doesn't love me enough that he will fill it. Yeah. Then why am I sitting here? Yeah. Right? If I'm not going to get the void filled, I'm wasting my time by being here. If either of these is a no, then church becomes boring, becomes a waste of time because I'm not going to get what I need. Either God can't get it for me or he won't. But if the answer to both is yes, then mass is exciting because at some point my life, my world will change. 
I will get what I need, right? Christmas is exciting. Why? Because Santa's going to come down and I'm going to find what I need under the tree. Mm-hmm. Mass is exciting if I'm going to find what I need in the mass, right? And recognizing this, one of the great mysteries for me is why so many people in the church work so hard to throw a cover, a veil, over the miracles of Christ, Right? or the miracles of today, right? We've we got to think that we understand that God can fill this void, but I don't think we do, right? I, I, I think we're kind of struggling with that, right? Yeah. In, in Matthew, Luke, and Mark, they all have, all three of them, have the story of the father and the son who's possessed by an impure spirit, and Jesus, Peter, James, and John, they're coming down the mountain after the transfiguration, and there's his father there, and he wants to get his son healed, and all the disciples and other apostles have been there trying to heal him, and none of the disciples have been able to heal the son, and the Spirit's just been abusing this kid, right? Throws him into the fire, throws him into the water, tries to kill the son, families at wit's end. Jesus, of course, all three Gospels, heals the kid. Mm -hmm. But only Mark, Mark 9, has this great detail When Jesus arrives on the scene, the father comes to Jesus and says, if you can do anything, Mm -hmm. if you can do anything, if, if, right, can, if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. And Jesus gently, but he corrects the father, right? If you can, right, if you can... All things are possible for one who believes, mm-hmm. to which this desperate father responds. You know, we hear this echoed in the Mass. I do believe. Yeah. Please heal, help. Please heal my unbelief. unbelief. Yeah. Right? It's no different today. Yeah. Right? Jesus gets that we still struggle with the if you can thing, mm-hmm. Right? Amazingly, when when Jesus was doing all these miracles in the gospel, right, he obviously did do them for the people he healed, right? Why'd you heal the leper? Because I wanted the leper healed, right? But even then, Jesus also saw us. And Jesus performed miracles then so we could look back and see those miracles and trust him today, mm-hmm. right? One of my favorite parable and healing combinations is the parable of Lazarus under the rich man's table, mm. right? And then you pair that with the raising of Lazarus from the tomb, right? Mm-hmm. So Luke 16, in the parable, the rich man's eating these great meals. Lazarus is starving under the table. The dogs are licking his sores, right? Ultimately, they both <laughs> die, die, right? Yeah. They both die, right? Lazarus goes to heaven. heaven. Rich man goes to the bad place. He goes to the bad place, right? Bad, rich man goes to hell, right? Rich man looks over into heaven. He sees Lazarus hanging out with Abraham. Rich man yells out, hey, Abraham, could you send Lazarus down to earth to my family to warn them that this hell thing is real, right? Abraham's like, the prophets already warned them mm-hmm. and they didn't listen. Rich man is like, yeah, But that was just the prophets, and no one listens to them, right? Everyone would listen to one coming back from the dead. And Abraham's like, nah, prophets should be enough, right? 
and all the listeners to this, right, all the listeners to this parable are like saying, this Jesus guy, he's nuts. Dumb parable. Everybody knows that one coming back from the dead is the undeniable miracle. If that happened, nobody could deny it, right? They'd know this is all real, right? Fast forward to John 11, the culmination of Jesus's miracles. What's he do? The miracle all the scribes and Pharisees said was undeniable. He raises someone from the dead. Mm -hmm. And who does he raise? A guy named Lazarus. Lazarus, right? Just like the guy in the parable, right? In Jesus's parables, no one gets names. Good Samaritan yeah. doesn't have a name, right? Prodigal son doesn't have Do a name. Well. Woman, right? Woman who who um who's sweeping the floor and finds the coins doesn't have a name. Yeah. No one gets a name in one of Jesus's parables except Lazarus. Why him? So Jesus can say, you remember when you all said raising a Lazarus from the dead would be the miracle no one could deny? Well, I just raised a Lazarus from the dead. It's like Babe Ruth calling his shot in baseball, right? Next pitch, I'm hitting it to that place and he hits it over the fence. It's, it's the same thing. Jesus called his shot. And what do they do? They deny the miracle. They want to kill him. He's not the son of God, right? So they show up at the cross, and what do they say? Remember when he said raising someone from the tomb was the miracle no one could deny? What we meant, right? Remember, we said that Mm -hmm. what we meant was coming down from the cross and saving yourself would be that miracle. That's the real miracle that nobody can deny. Do that one for us, Jesus. Mm Mm-hmm. And what's Jesus do? He once more performs the miracle no one can deny. Hey, guys, you know what? My whole public ministry, you've been a spear in my side, right? But I still want you to be in heaven. Mm -hmm. And if that takes one more miracle, if that takes me coming down from the cross and saving myself, to save you. Well, then that's what I'm going to do. Here it is. We live in this world where evidence of love is omnipresent everywhere you look, but that evidence of love coexists with evidence of brokenness and evil. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how you recognize those two presences simultaneously living in the world, but I do know that God loves you and wants you in heaven. And if he had miracles for the scribes and Pharisees, then today Jesus has miracles for you. Absolutely. (laughs) They're out there. We just have to, I mean... And they are. I mean, I'm thinking again of that... See um, him. The nun... Sister Wilhelmina. Yeah, who, uh, her body is incorrupt. Right. I mean, we're always like, we. every time we hear these, it's like, wow. Right. We shouldn't even be saying wow. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We think that, oh, wow, that's just, you know, that's kind of bizarre. And yeah. then move on. Yeah. I think we get so wrapped up in um, looking at what's not working 
What's we, not good? There you what, go. You know exactly. And somebody described it as saying, instead of looking down, we need to start looking up. Yes. You know because that's where hope comes from. That's where the truth is. Right. Yes. That's who the truth is. Yes. There's a there was a woman uh, known as Rita Klaus. In this valley, I remember 30, her. 30, 40 years yeah. ago, I guess, twenty years. I don't know what it was, course, but it was a long, long time ago. And I remember, I'll never forget reading this article in a in a Pittsburgh paper because she was in Pittsburgh. And the article was on basically it was on debunking miracles, and it was going through all these present day miracles, and it was saying why they weren't really miracles. And they get to Rita, and Rita had multiple sclerosis. And she had she was in a wheelchair. I saw her. She was yeah. Yeah, She used to go to magic oil conferences. So so Rita's like her. You know she is so bad along the the path of multiple sclerosis that her kneecaps are on the sides of her knees, right? Mm -hmm. And she's in a wheelchair, and she's been healed by the presence of God in her heart. So she's good with all this, but God heals her legs, right? And he gets her out of the wheelchair. He moves her kneecaps. He reattaches the kneecaps to the tendons of her knees because they've been severed because there's so much pressure on her knees that the surgeon severed the the tendons to let the kneecaps float, right? And and they get to Rita being healed. like the, It's all back together, and she's walking around. And they get to Rita, and they say, it's still being investigated. Yeah. What's to investigate? The woman's walking. Yes, that's right. And I saw her. And you know what? Miracles do happen. Yes. And church isn't boring. Okay, but we're out of time. We invite you to join us every Friday at 1230 on AM 720 for The Family Show. And keep us in your prayers. For Brendan Randy Lee, I'm Eleanor Rossman, and we leave you with the beautiful sound of seasons.